Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Come in. Welcome. I'm Tammy Grimes. How many of us have harbored a bitterness or a deep-felt grudge that rankled and that we could not forget or forgive? And when the fires of hate fester within, there comes a point where one can only be avenged by death. That is the theme of today's mystery theater adaptation of a story by Alexander Pushkin. Sergio, there's no one in my life but you. You say that so easily, Martha. Don't you know what you have done? You have never spoken to me like that before. I'm going home. You are not going home, Martha. You are going to oh, listen to me. Did you let go of my arm. You're hurting me. Where were you last Thursday? And don't make up some story. I want to know where. And with whom. <laughs> Mystery drama, The Last Duel, was adapted for the Mystery Theatre by James Agate Jr. from a story by Alexander Pushkin. It stars Lee Richardson. I'll be back shortly with Act One. We are in India 150 years ago, under the rule of the British Imperial Administration. Officers and men are stationed in many parts of the country. They are reassigned, moved, lose old friends, and make new enemies. Sharing army life is no guarantee of lasting friendship. Our story begins during cemetery services for one Colonel Sergio, who died as mysteriously as the life he lived. Hard to believe the colonel is dead, isn't it? I thought I never could die young. But however he died, he had a coming to him. You never liked Colonel Sergio, did you, Lieutenant? Yeah, there wasn't much to like, was there? I mean, he didn't really open up to anyone. You never knew what he was thinking, did you? Can't you respect him for risking his life to wipe out a band of Pindari brigands single-handed? <laughs> you believe that story? Why not? the official one. An unofficial one was that he was shot in the back by one of his own men. Where did you hear that? Sergio had courage written all over it. Really? What about his running from the duel with me? The word for him is not courage, but cowardice. Lawrence, you're a fool. You don't know the first thing about his reasons. I know all I wish to know, Captain. He refused to defend his honor when he was challenged. You forget it was your honor, not his, that needed defending. You're so stupid. I cannot abide a stupid man. Captain Nicholson, I hope you don't mean that. I've suspected it all along about you. It's quite obvious you got your commission because your father is the governor general. Gentlemen, officers, a eulogy is about to be read for the colonel. Kindly lower your voices. Captain Nicholson, you've insulted my family and myself. I shall have my seconds bring you the challenge in the morning. Good day, sir. That Lawrence, he was a fool. He is a fool. 
but to go back to the beginning. It all started when Lieutenant Lawrence arrived in India and joined our regiment. He knows nothing about Sergio. And now, he even challenges me to a duel, which means I shall have to kill him. Interesting parallel this to the problem that faced Sergio that famous evening we blamed Baccarat. I've been standing by the front door watching those clouds gather, Nicholson. It will be one deuce of a storm. Sergio, don't tell me I'm the first to arrive again. Every time I come for dinner and cards, I'm the first. But I like that in you, Nicholson. I say, Nicholson, what's the new man like? Lawrence. Hmm. I understand he was posted on from Hyderabad. His father's the Governor General. Oh, that Lawrence. Yes, I seem to remember there was some kind of a scandal. Was it cheating at cards or with the Major's wife? I've invited him over for Baccarat tonight. He seems quite pleasant. Mentioned to me he enjoys cards. He's not likely to do anything shifty. After all, he is the governor's son. I asked him along with Douglas and Sir William. Thought the five of us would uh, enjoy it. About Lawrence. I have never believed those stories of chaps cheating. They always say that about heavy winners. Speak of the devil, I think that's him coming up with and, us. And Douglas and Sir William, right behind him. Hurry up, all of you. The skies are opening up. Well, we can use a bit of rain. I'm not keen on it. I've always had bad luck at cars during a thunderstorm. Gentlemen, we have played for an hour. The downpours made me realize it's about time for us to do some pouring down ourselves. If anybody would care for a spot of brandy or port, it's on the sideboard. And uh, do help yourself. Sergio, may I show you something in the library? I will leave the table just as it is. Everyone has his own pile of counters. Nothing will be touched. Uh, yes, Nicholson, I'll be along. Go ahead, gentlemen. Make yourselves at home. Uh, what is it you wish to show me? I wanted to speak to you where no one could hear us. Yes, I thought it was that. Have you been watching Lawrence? No, not particularly. I'd say he's not playing Baccarat, according to Hoyle. I haven't noticed a thing. Everyone has three pound and five pound counters, right? As many as they buy from the bank. Which they bet before the cards are dealt. Yes, you know that. What would you say if I told you on more than one occasion I saw Lawrence holding onto some red five-pound counters after the cards were dealt? Well, there's nothing wrong about that. There's no rule that says you can't have a counter in your hand. Hidden in your hand? Well, what would be the point? Do you remember the play when Sir William had a natural, a nine, and a court card? Yes, I do. Lawrence leaned over, saw Sir William's hand, and at that moment dropped three more five-pound counters he had pawned beside the one he had made. As I remember, he made 20 pounds on that. Cheating for a few pounds. <laughs> Hard to believe. I'm sorry, but there it is. I had better keep an eye on him. I do hope you're mistaken. I've had friends in this house for cards for years, and nothing like this has ever occurred. But there's always a first time. I ask your indulgence, but I am closing the bank. You may cash in your counters. Colonel, does that mean I shan't have a chance to win back my losses? Sir William, 
Uh, for the moment, I can't say. The storm is not lessening, and I think I'd better have a look around upstairs to make sure the windows are all closed. But uh, don't leave us yet, friends. Have a spot more to drink. And cigars are on the table if you care for them. Uh, Lawrence, would you mind very much stepping into the library with me? And Nicholson, if you don't mind, would you join us? You two go on in. I'll dart upstairs and check the windows and be right with you. Lawrence, have you seen the Colonel's pistol collection? Uh, no, I haven't. I've heard you were a very good shot at Hyderabad. Mm, not really. But I am interested in guns. Oh, good then. Follow me. I tell you what the Colonel has collected is second only to what they have in the British Museum. Have uh, you, uh, you any idea what the Colonel wants to talk to me about? Oh, he always likes to have a chat with the new man. How are you getting on? Not too badly. Um, where are the colonel's guns? Right behind you. Let me show you his prize. Here. Yeah. Hmm. It's quite light. Oh, Sergio, I was just playing curator in your small arms museum. All dry upstairs. Ah. Lawrence, you are holding the colt. Oh, is it? I've uh, heard of them, never had one in my hand before. I was lucky to get one. This is an original made by Samuel Colt himself. Sergio, if you don't need me, I think I'll join the others. I do need you. And I'd like you to hear what I have to say to Lawrence. Yes, if you notice, when you cock the hammer, it automatically revolves the cylinder. Try it. It's not loaded. Ingenious, simple, useful, essential. I'd like to know why you wish to talk to me, Colonel. Lawrence, here in Kampula, where we happen to be stationed, we do things a certain way. One does not cheat at cards. It is not done. You are joking, aren't you, Sam? Where are you? I wouldn't regard such an accusation a joke, my dear boy. The weather is abated. There is no reason for you to remain in a house where you are not welcome. I do not take insults lightly. Sergio, I'm all right. <laughs> I saw it coming. Lawrence, are you off your head attacking a senior officer? That's an exceedingly valuable pistol you were tossing about. I don't care for insults, nor do I accept them and do nothing about them. Young man, you have dishonored my house. You will have the goodness to withdraw. And you are fortunate indeed that this card cheating happened in my sight. I shall withdraw. Sir, you will be hearing from my seconds in the morning. Good night. What a word of admission or apology. I expected neither. You will duel with a man of lesser rank. It's difficult for me to see how a man like that can avenge his honor when he doesn't have it. You will have the choice of weapons... And the entire incident will end in blood. His blood? Perhaps not. He may think better of the challenge and not send his seconds around to me. I'm sorry to say Lieutenant Lawrence did send his seconds and, as is customary, offered Sergio a choice of weapons. But for some mysterious reason of his own, it quite shook me. Sergio made peace with the dishonest lieutenant and the duel was scotched. It became the scandal of the entire regiment. Nicholson, 
I believe I owe you an explanation. I asked you here because of this letter which I received today. It may be, Nicholson, you and I will never see one another again. Are you leaving the regiment? Later today. I've asked Captain Harkness to share duties with you. Not illness in the family out. Not illness, but possibly death. My dear friend, I like you. And it would be painful for me to leave you with the wrong impression. I would never have such an impression. You could not believe I would permit the lieutenant to challenge me to a duel which I would not honor. I knew you had reasons. You are the only one who will hear them. And I ask when you have heard them that you keep them to yourself. As long as I am alive. If you hear that I have been killed, I leave it to your judgment how much you will tell the world. When I am dead, I would like my old comrades to believe that I died with honor. Do you remember when the lieutenant was caught cheating? The colonel said to him, You have dishonored my house. A good name is what all men a century and a half ago wished to live and die by. As Iago says to Othello, Good name in man and woman, dear my lord, is the immediate jewel of their souls. He that filches from me my good name robs me of that which not enriches him and makes me poor indeed. I shall return shortly with Act Two. get a better idea of the importance of the duel in the days we are dramatizing if you bear in mind that everyone called a duel an affair of honor. To disregard a challenge for whatever the reason was tantamount to turning tail and running. The curtain rises on Colonel Sergio's residence the afternoon of his departure. Sergio. Do you feel more like telling me why you're leaving now? No, no, I thought I'd do a little more target practice and then we'll talk. Do you see I have placed a stone atop of each fence post? Let me just finish off the ones to the right of the gate. <laughs> oh, Sergio, don't you ever miss at 40 paces? Hardly. There's no point in using firearms unless one knows... How? But Nicholson, you're not a bad shot yourself. Want to have a try? Oh, not right now. Sergio, I've been here all afternoon, and you still haven't told me why you're leaving. You and Harkness will do very well together. The regiment likes you both. Is it a short trip or a long trip? I shall never come back here. Then why not a formal handing over of the sword, as so many have done in the past? I cannot wait for approval from London. I've never seen you like this. You think I'm not in control of myself? I don't know what to think. Come back inside the house. I think better sitting down. All right, the door is closed. We are alone. Why did I refuse to meet at Swords Point or gun barrel with that fool of a lieutenant who cheated at cards in my house? That's what has been troubling you. Only because I cannot understand it. The regiment to a man all know Lieutenant Lawrence is no better than a common thief. 
that you should not make an example of him is incomprehensible to them. My dear friend, I have no right to expose myself even to the possibility of death. Six years ago, I received a slap in the face. And my enemy still lives. You didn't fight him? What happened? Oh, yes. The duel took place. <laughs> and here is a souvenir of the event. I haven't seen one of those in years. The French call it a bonnet de police. It's old. It's mine. It's what we wore in Madras in those early days. A red cap with a gold tassel and gold braid around the rim. Look at it closely. Is that a bullet hole an inch above the forehead? It passes right through. A souvenir of the greatest insult ever paid me. I was then, as I am now, in command of a regiment and engaged to be married to a girl named Martha, chief of a well-to-do Dutch family. When I was off duty, we would often meet in the park overlooking the Bay of Bengal. She was the loveliest thing I had ever known. And at that time... I thought she loved me. Sergio, there is no one in my life but you. How can you say that so quickly and so easily? Sergio, what a tone of voice. What have I done? You don't know. You have no idea. You have never spoken to me like this before. I'm going home. You are not going home. You're going to listen to me. Sergio, let go of my arm. You're hurting me. Where were you last Thursday? Thursday? Don't make up some story. I want to know where and with whom. Darling, why are you like this? Papa had a business friend, a cotton grower from the Western District, and we all went for a sail in the bay. And then, why do you want to know this? Who was we all? Papa, Mama, and this gentleman and his son. Ah, at last, the truth. Then in the evening... We went to dinner at the club. And that is all. Oh, yes. There was an orchestra. You danced? Well, of course. With the cotton grower's son? Yes. Does he dance well? Yes. But I wasn't interested in him. He's only a boy. Nevertheless, you danced quite a long time with Oh, Sergio, stop And he's this. not such a boy. He's in our regiment. Yes, I believe so. His father has a title. They are also Dutch. I think he's a count. You danced until midnight. Oh. You then walked into the gardens with him holding hands. I don't know who told you such untruths, but I was never in George's company alone. We were always chaperones. My dear Martha, I have friends. They have eyes. Until you come to me and apologize and promise you will never look at another man, I consider our engagement broken. You are unjust. And you are cruel. And I will never come on bended knee to you. Perhaps not. We shall see. Good night, Martha. I was so sure of her, you see. I expected a note the following day, begging forgiveness. It never came. Never. And all I succeeded in doing was driving her into a friendship with this Georges, who, I believe, didn't really care for her at all. A month later, I was in the Bombay Club. And there was Martha, this Georges, on the promenade floor. I was headstrong. 
headstrong then and as stupid as our card-cheating lieutenant. I walked up to them while they were dancing and publicly insulted the young man. Did I hear you correctly, Colonel? You did, sir. I meant every word. Marta, my dear, we must stop dancing for a moment. Sergio, you're making a spectacle. People are watching. Will you excuse us, Colonel Sergio? I will permit you to think twice about what you just said. I do not need to. Let me ask you as a gentleman to reflect upon your slander while I take this young lady back to her table. I shall be standing right here awaiting your return. George, the Colonel is very headstrong. Don't go back to him. Leave him alone. No good can come of this. Marta, before I came to Madras, I heard you were engaged, so I understand your concern. The engagement is broken. I didn't realize it was the colonel of this regiment you were engaged to. It is not the most diplomatic way of making one's mark to uh, hold in one's arms all evening the fiancé of the commanding officer. Sergio is a dead shot. I beg you, do not respond to his insult. It's precisely what he wants you to do. Marta, I cannot. For my sake. It is precisely for your sake. I must go to him now. Please remain here at this table and I shall come back to you. Sergio is dangerous. I know him. Try to understand. I could never look my father in the eye or you or myself if I ran away. The colonel does not frighten me. I have a great deal of regimental business to attend to. I can wait for you no longer. I have come to bid you good night, Martha. With you, sir, I have no further word. You heard what I said. And I meant it. I have no idea, Colonel, why you spoke to me in such a manner. I have only recently joined your regiment. Colonel... Please accept this answer to your insult. You know the consequences of striking a superior officer. I slapped you as a man, not as a walking uniform. Is it swords or pistols you prefer? Pistols. Sergio, what are you doing? This is madness. You provoke this. Why? Name the time and place, please, sir. Gone today at the firing range. I shall be there with my seconds. I bid you both good night. George, what have you done? Sergio is the most accurate marksman in the regiment. Is he? We shall see. Before dawn, I waited for him at the firing range with my three seconds. He arrived presently with one second on foot in uniform. He had his cap in his hand and was taking something out of it and putting it into his mouth. His unconcerned air made me nervous. Colonel, would you instruct the seconds to measure off the distance for us? It was cherries he was eating out of his cap, one after the other. I was tense with anger at his indifference. Twelve paces would be about right, would you say, Colonel? Yes, twelve. I believe it is you who must fire the first shot, Colonel, so... Go ahead, whenever you're ready. I'll just have a few more of these cherries while I wait. Mm, delicious. They're imported from Spain. It was quite the most exasperating experience of my life. My agitation was so great, I knew that my hand would shake. So, in order to give myself time to calm down, I ceded to him to fire the first shot. As you wish, Colonel. Ready? Any time. 
bullet went right through my cap. That hole you see there, front and back, hardly touched me. Singed the hair, perhaps. I didn't even feel it. Now it was my turn. But the man had absolutely no fear. He kept eating the cherries as though he had nothing better to do. <laughs> Unnerving is the word for it. Any time. Please fire, Colonel. I thought to myself, what's the use of depriving this man of life when he attaches no value to it whatsoever? I put down my pistol. Dear man, you don't have to wait until I'm finished. <laughs> it's your turn to finish me. You don't seem to be ready for death. Just at present. Obviously, you wish to go on with your breakfast. Don't let me stop you. Please, Colonel. I enjoy eating. I cannot think of a better way to die. And I expect you to do your duty as an honorable man. I cannot. I will not fire. Just as you please. Shall we say, then, that you owe me a shot? I shall always be at your service? My dear Nicholson, that was it. That was all. The duel came to an end. I was then transferred from Madras to Kampala. And now this letter from one of my old friends... It informs me that my adversary, who is still in Madras, is planning to be married. So we shall see if he will still look death in the face with such indifference on the eve of marriage as he did eating cherries at dawn. So, that's why you're leaving Kampala. The man said he was at my service, didn't he? I don't like to keep anyone waiting. Why are you so determined to fire that last shot, Sergio? Because he slapped you. Or because when he shot, you believed he missed killing you deliberately. It was in it. It's getting late. I want more bag to pack. I don't want to miss the six o'clock coach. Suppose you find George in Madras. Suppose you arrange to fire that shot. And you miss. Then what? It is again his turn to fire at me. And if this time he does not miss, remember it is the eve of his wedding. He risks more than breakfast. Sergio, forget the duel. It accomplishes nothing. Here, catch. Keep the cap for me. If I don't come back, wear it on dress parades. Goodbye. The last I saw of Sergio, he was striding out of the house at as mysterious and proud, stubborn and strange as ever. I held his red cap with the gold braid and the gold tassel in my hand and wondered if I should ever see him again. The duel of honor was a private encounter as the result of real or imagined insults. It started about the 15th century and spread over Europe. The macho men of the time flashed swords and pulled triggers. Even the British military code authorized dueling. But times change, don't they? By today's standards of behavior, any such private vendetta is called murder. I shall return shortly with Act 3. Time passes. Colonel Sergio never returns to his regiment in Campola. Captain Nicholson and many in his charge are transferred to Bombay. 
his adjutant turns out to be the man he suspected of cheating at Baccarat. Staff officer, Lieutenant Lawrence, charged with the day's routines, distribution of orders, etc. The lieutenant has an unusual message to deliver this morning. Count George Van Hoybro. No, the name is not familiar. The Count, I was told, is rarely seen about town. The Countess takes outings in an open carriage in the park, sitting behind her coachman in solitary splendor, and by all accounts is the most beautiful woman in India. Mm. How long have they lived here? Mm, several years, I understand, a fine family. Children? Not so far as I know, sir. They are important on the local scene, I would say. And we need friends here. I would suggest, sir, you give serious consideration to accepting the invitation. I will, Lawrence. Definitely. I not only considered, but accepted. A few days later, I was taken to one of the fine Indian palaces, so many of which have been sold to foreigners. I was shown into a spacious room lined with books and paintings. At a tea table by the fireplace sat a beautiful young woman. Captain Nicholson, please sit down. I'm just about to pour tea. My husband will join us shortly. He was called by one of the overseers. It's a problem trying to grow crops in this part of India. I am the Countess Van Heuvel. A great pleasure, madam. Do you take sugar? I understand your regiment has only recently been posted to Bombay. Well, that's quite true. It was I who persuaded my husband that we should have you call on us. Europeans in this part of the world need all the friends they can get. You are not English, madam? Dutch. But my family has always lived in India. And for a hundred years, my husband's family has grown cotton, especially for the royal house. Well, this is quite an extraordinary room. I'm sure the whole house is... Oh, that's my husband. He always takes his dogs with him when he goes out to the farms and plantations. Darling, Captain Nicholson is already here. I've poured him a cup. May I do for you? Yes, my dear. Oh, how do you do, sir? A pleasure. Count von Heuvel. Oh, do sit down. I'll be right with you. Uh, darling, have you been up most of the afternoon? I have, and I'm just beginning to feel it, but I did so want to meet Captain Nicholson. Captain, uh, make yourself at home. I just want to help my wife upstairs. The Count took her by the arm and rather steered her out of the door. I walked about the room, examining the books and paintings... One of them, a view of Switzerland, struck me. Snowbanks, distant Alps, very blue sky. But not the scene itself as much as the fact the canvas had been shot through in two places. One right above the other. A bit higher than my head. I notice you're looking at a wounded painting. <laughs> they looked like bullet holes. Mm, they are. I hope I didn't tire the Countess. I had no idea she wasn't feeling well. No, it's something we keep to ourselves. My wife is recovering from a serious eye injury. How terrible. Nobody's been able to tell us what caused her blindness, but suddenly it happened out of the blue. It was a short time before we were married. She was unable to see. And then, as if by some miracle also inexplicable, a few years ago her sight gradually began to return. That is a miracle. <laughs> it was you gazing at that painting that brought it to mind. If I were asked what was the turning point in her blindness, I would say four years ago, almost to the day, two bullets were fired into that painting. 
that you've told me there are bullet holes in that painting, I can't contain my curiosity. How they got there? Yes. Do you shoot well, Captain? Tolerably. I was quite a good marksman. But I haven't touched a gun in four years. I'm sure I wouldn't be too bad a shot today if I had to. Well, don't be too sure, Your Excellency. Uh, if you neglect to practice, your hand loses its cunning. A man, a valuable friend of the old days, uh, he was the best shot I ever met. He used to practice with his pistols or gun three times a day, every day before dinner while drinking a glass of brandy. That's <laughs> a peculiar combination. Well, he was a peculiar man. I wonder, um... What was his name? Sergio. Colonel Sergio. Ah. You knew Sergio? Your Excellency, we were intimate friends. But it's a number of years, almost five, since I've had any news of him. Then you knew him also? Hmm. Yes, very well. Uh, did he ever tell you of a strange episode in his life involving a duel which was never completed? The young man whom he insulted at a ball and who slapped him in return. Mm. Did he tell you the name of the young man? If he did, then I've forgotten it. I beg your pardon. Could it have been you? It was. And that snowy Swiss scene with the two bullet holes is a memento of our last meeting, Sergio's and mine. I hope you will forgive me for bringing up the subject. I had no idea. You see... I made it impossible for him to fire the last shot. And it is only right for you to know how Colonel Sergio revenged himself. Six years ago, I met my wife. We married. One day, she awoke, and light was no different from darkness. She remained home, I would go out on business. And one day, when I returned, I was told there was a man waiting for me in this room who would not give his name. He had seven days' growth on his chin. Oh, more like seven weeks. I didn't know him. You don't recognize me, Kant. I'm afraid... George, take a good look. Are you sure you don't know me? I'm not. I, I expected you for some time. George, there was a little matter of a shot due me. And I have come to fire that shot. Where? Here? Right here. In this room. Are you ready? I... I'll measure out twelve paces. Twelve paces to... Colonel, I see you've drawn your pistol. I have been prepared for a long time. I ask only one thing of you. These doors behind me, when I have closed them, shoot quickly before my wife enters. Although she is unable to see very clearly and may not even see you over there in the shadows, she will sense right away something is wrong. Please hurry. Colonel, why are you waiting? I am standing here ready. What is the matter? I regret that my pistol is not loaded with cherry stones. The bullet is heavy. What do you mean? You don't remember eating cherries that morning on the firing range? Oh, yes, I remember. But I was alone then. 
No one needed me or depended upon me. If I wanted to throw my life away, it was my doing. If I wished to be brave or foolhardy or dare you, no one but I would be hurt. But today, I have a loving wife who cannot see. Good heavens, man, have it over with. Shoot! Why are you lowering your pistol? It seems to me this is not a duel, but murder. And I am not accustomed to taking aim at an unarmed man. We shall begin again, as if it were that very morning on the firing range, and cast lots as to who shall fire first. I raised some objections. I feared that at any moment my wife would come in. I loaded my own pistol. We drew lots, and I drew the first number. Go ahead. You fire first at me. This is the second time you have missed me at 12 paces. Again, your bullet went narrowly over my head. I could smell it. Where did the bullet go? Into the wall? Are you still pretending you cannot hit me? The bullet hole is there, in the snowbank of that painting. Now it's my turn. And my friend, I shan't miss. I heard a shot. Oh, what is it? George, where are you? George, are you all right? I'm, I'm right here, oh. darling. There, oh. there, now. Calm down. I'm perfectly fine. You're not wounded, are you? How did your gun go off? Oh, there's someone in the room. Who are you? Who is it? Are you a thief? What do you want? My darling, we were playing a game. He's an old friend. You, sir, who are you? George, who is he? I assure you, we were only joking. Isn't that right, Sergio? What did you call him? It's Colonel Sergio. Do you remember him? Sergio. You? Come closer. It's hard for me to distinguish without bright light. He told me, Marta. I'm very sorry. It's going to be all right. They all say it. What are you doing here? What is that in your hand? You too, Georges. Both of you. With guns? We were both having a little joke, that's all. I once spoke to him in anger and he slapped my face as a joke. Another time he sent a bullet through my cap as a joke. Your humorous husband played his third joke today, firing at me from only 12 paces, yet missing me completely. If I stop now, he wins everything. He keeps everything. The woman I wish to marry. The jewel. Even my honor. All in jest, of course. But now, I feel I would like to have the last joke. Sergio, don't. Sergio, I know you're aiming your pistol at George. Don't, I beg you. Marta, get up from the floor. Aren't you ashamed? All right. Go on, Colonel. Are you going to fire or not? No. No, I will not. I am satisfied. I've seen your confusion. 
your alarm. I forced you to fire at me. That is enough for me. You will never forget this hour. You will remember me. I leave you to your conscience. And then he turned to go. He stopped in the doorway and looking back at the painting with my one bullet hole, almost without taking aim, he fired. His bullet, as you can see, Captain Nicholson, is only one centimeter from mine. It was too much for Marta. She fainted. I took her up to bed. But, as I said before, Captain, from that day on, four years ago, her sight began miraculously to return. I stood at the gravesite, looking at the coffin containing the remains of the man who had died in action against the Pindari bandits. Lieutenant Lawrence, who had challenged me to a duel, stood beside me. Sir, will you accept my deepest apologies? I do not wish to cross swords or pistol shots with you. I nodded. Neither did I. Four men. I was one of them. Slowly let go the ropes to lower our colonel. When the casket reached bottom, the gravediggers shoveled in the earth. The entire regiment each man threw in a handful. I was the last. From under my tunic, I took Sergio's old red cap with the gold trim and the gold tassel and dropped it into the grave. It landed very close to his head. I could almost see him wearing it. It is the art of Alexander Pushkin, author of the story upon which this mystery theater adaptation is based, to be able to depict universal themes such as love, self-sacrifice, and honor in the simplest and most telling terms. The author of Boris Goodenough and Eugene Onegin has condensed so much of the mystery of struggling souls into this brief and vivid tale. It is not a story I am ever likely to forget. I shall return shortly. And death each other. And I will look on both indifferently. For let the gods so speed me as I love the name of honor more than I fear death. Honor. Sometimes I wonder. Is it a virtue only of the past? Has it become an endangered species? Our cast included Lee Richardson, Terry Keane, Russell Horton, and Bernard Grant. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Well, I might as well do it now and get it over with. Some way to celebrate the first day I get home. Officer, my name is Gene Fowler. Uh, someone called me at home and asked me to come over to the police station. Is it about the speeding ticket? Uh, Jack, 
I think this is the man you're looking for. Somebody wants to see me? Don't turn around. Just stand facing the desk and put your arms behind your back. Hey, hold your wrists closer together. Thank you. Stay right there and don't move. Hey, why are you putting handcuffs on me? What are you doing? Making sure you're not carrying a gun. Is he clean? Yeah. Write it down on the sheet. You can turn around now, Mr. Fowler. Will somebody please tell me what this is all about? What did I do? Mr. Fowler, you're under arrest for armed robbery. This is Tommy Grimes inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.